from Byron, Mississippi. It's Lakeshore Church. And now we join Pastor Jay Frazier for today's message. Uh, Paul was speaking here, writing a letter to a church. He said, not that I have already reached the goal. There you go. And I'm already perfect, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. What a great verse. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue as my goal the prize <laughs> promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let all of us who are mature think this way. And if you think differently about anything, God will reveal this also to you. In any case, we should live up to whatever truth we have obtained. Join in imitating Join in imitating me, brothers and sisters, and pay careful attention to those who live according to the example you have in us. For I've often told you, and now say it again, listen to this, with tears, that many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their stomach, their glory is their shame. They are focused on earthly things, but look at this, but our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly wait for a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject everything to himself. Let's pray together. We thank you, Lord. Uh, you know my heart today. I desire for my words to be yours and my thoughts to be yours. And most of all, every one of us would walk in obedience to, wait, to the way that you lead us today. And God will be careful to praise you now and forevermore. For we ask it and pray it in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen, amen. You may be seated. As you're settling in, so far, there's been five, and today is number six, and that, that sums it up. But the goal is number six. So far, we talked about the conflict. Um, the, the first one, here's, here's what I alluded to a moment ago. In our, in our society, maybe even in the church, you know, people have just made it religious, and, and it's just this, uh, it, it's faith, and, and many times for faith, a lot of people is just almost short as fiction <laughs> instead of facts. But here's the thought. If there's not a conflict, if we don't say, okay, in the Garden of Eden they fail, and that's where it all started, that's where sin was born, death came from sin, if we don't embrace that, if we don't embrace God, we can't embrace the Garden. And therefore, if we don't embrace the Garden, then we really don't embrace sin. So really, we're, we're mixed up to begin with. But we do, okay? So we know, okay, we got the conflict. Now watch this. God set out pursuing us. Knocking on our door, revealing to us that we were sinners in need of a Savior. Maybe we realized, wait a second, we understood good from evil, and out of that, there were things that happened. Our conscience was born, and, and we began to see things. So out of this pursuit, and this pursuit happens to bring us to a decision, have an experience with Jesus Christ. It's not just happenstance. Uh, I often say it, I'll say it a couple of times today. You know, I remember great events in my life. You've heard me say this many, many, many times. The great events of my life, good, bad, and indifferent, I've not gotten over them. I've not forgot them. How dare me hope I'm right with God. Man, you got to have an experience. And with that experience comes change. I believe 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Paul said it best. Therefore, if any man's in Christ, he's a new creature. The Christian standard says he's a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold all, behold, all has become new. I believe the experience brings change, immediately brings change. And out of that change, as we grow in the Lord and do those types of things, disciplines in our life, we perform, as we talked about last week. Performance matters, folks. Listen to me. I want to say it again. How you speak and how you talk and how you react and how you act and where you go and who you run with, it matters. 
We're either giving off great vibes, we're all giving off good vibes to people in our relationship with the Lord, or we're, we're pushing them away. Have you ever heard somebody say about somebody else, I don't want Christianity if that's what it is? It's pretty sad, isn't it? But we understand that. It's performance, which leads to the goal. What, what, what in the world, the goal? <laughs> Today's a neat day I want to share with you. Uh, this past Friday, the start the day with Jay, it started out as, now we have the cafe that uh, we have, we call it start the day in the cafe at 6 a.m. And through the years, we've been doing it now for six or seven years. First couple of years, we actually did devotionals. We'd have a verse or whatever, a thought for the day. And on Monday and Friday, but this past Friday, and I celebrate, just thinking about it, it's pretty neat. We finished the book of Revelation. And it's really neat. The last couple of chapters of the book of Revelation are really good. There's about 15 or 16 in the middle of it that are really tough to understand. But we finished it. And with that, we finished the entire New Testament doing two chapters a week. You know, it's encouraging to tell you that you can do it. You know what I'm talking about? You look back and go, man, where'd that time go? And I'm not here to, you know, make anybody feel bad or whatever, but it's, it's a celebratory thing. But the reason I bring that up is not only the completion of it, we start Genesis tomorrow morning. Uh, while I told them we're going to do Genesis and Exodus, but we're not doing Numbers and Leviticus. Right? We're going to go somewhere else after that. We'll, have, we'll find some others in there to do. But, but one of the things about that is 260 chapters. And, and right at the very end of the New Testament, we're reminded of how great it's going to be in heaven. There are some powerful thoughts, powerful little statements. that Go read it sometime. It's a great reading this next week in your devotional time. Make time to read 21 and 22 of Revelation. It is phenomenal. Some of the reminders of what we have to look forward to that really bring back the goal of what we're talking about today and how different it's going to be. And I will tell you this. We have no idea how that's going to be. No concept of a place without sin. You hear me? I mean, I could go on and on, but here's where we are. Did you know that we're all headed the same direction? Everybody in, everyone in this room and everybody listening by, uh, in our media source, listen to this, we're all headed the same direction. The scripture says in, in Hebrews 9.27, it's appointed unto man, it's an appointment that we have to die and after that, the judgment. It's certain for all of us. And you say, well, Brother Jay, that doesn't make me feel good. And, uh, but the hope is this, you know, and I think before we get there, so many people have tried to cheat death. I did some time this week, did some reading this week, and it's amazing how many crazy people there are in the world trying to win over death. The mortality rate's 100%. You know that? Nobody's cheated it. Nobody's won over it. Our only hope is found in Jesus Christ that we live forever. But listen to me. Even knowing Jesus Christ, we're all going to die. I'm not here to bear bad news, but it's facts. I did some, did some reading. I found out some crazy things. In, in the first century B.C., Cleopatra, you remember that name, many movies about her. She bathed herself <laughs> to try to stay young and live a long life. She bathed herself in donkey's milk. That's sort of strange. Except some of you folks have done worse because of the infomercials of what you participate in. A chemist in the 4th century, 4th century A.D., he came up with the thing to make medicine from monkey's brains. And if people would take this medicine, he was guaranteeing them to live 500 more years. That's crazy. Ponce de Leon. I've actually been to Ponce de Leon, Florida. One of my best friends in college, and he was in my wedding and lives there. And so I've seen it. But Ponce de Leon himself went to Florida long, many, many years ago. But he announced that he had found the fountain of youth. Uh, I just want to remind you that he's dead. I, I just want to remind you that. Now David Copperfield, the American magician, the illusionist, 
He says he's found it in the Bahamas. He's 65. He won't be here much longer. Even the best hitter in the major leagues, Ted Williams. I, I don't know if you know that name, but he's the last person to bat 400 in Major League Baseball. That might not mean, if you're not a baseball person, that means nothing to you. That's okay. But Ted Williams, somehow, he, he got off track somewhere and got involved in a thing called chronics. You look this stuff up. You're talking about strange now. If you think you're strange, go read about these folks and you'll feel normal. I hate to tell you this, but Ted Williams, upon death, was decapitated. And his head and his body are frozen so that when technology catches up with him, he's going to be brought back to life. Well, I just want to tell you, and I'm not a scholar, but there's not one verse that even remotely alludes to an earthly resurrection for you and me. But I want to tell you about an eternal resurrection that we have. Now, God can do whatever God wants to, but man in forever and a day has tried to skirt death. But we can't. So if we can't skirt it, we better prepare for it. And to prepare for it, it's a place called heaven. The good news is this. Listen to this. Zig Ziglar said this. Listen to this. He said, and, and Zig Ziglar, great motivational speaker. He died several years ago. But a phenomenal speaker, a lot of different things about attitude and winning and, and those types of things and godliness. He said this, the good news is there is nothing we can do that is bad enough to keep us out of heaven. That's the good news. Listen to this. The bad news is there's nothing we can do good enough to get us into heaven. Mm. You get it? See, a lot of times people say, well, I'll just be good enough, God, let me in. No, that, that's not the way it's set up. And a lot of times people say, well, there's no way that person's going because of how bad they've been. Well, we're mixed up in that too. I'm not going to heaven today because of how bad I've been or how good I've been and what's happened in that deal. I'm going to heaven today because I've taken Jesus Christ at his offer. Mm, he died for all sin. So the goal is to get there. I want to just give you some some. Uh, uh, just some simple points today to remember when I think about goals. Some of them have to do with our life before we get to heaven, but ultimately when we get there. And here, here they are. Number one, I'll give you four of them. It, it, I wanna, the goal is this, that we need to head in the right direction. Suzanne's here this morning, and I think about our life. We, we've been through a lot, you know, here lately. Uh, we, we've, I, there used to be years I'd look at people and say, man, they've been through a lot. And, and, and Lord, I just thank you that I hadn't. But I told somebody, a few people, I said, I think we're catching up. <laughs> You know, some of the stuff, some of the different things in life, but that's okay. And God knew this yesterday, but, but I want to share with you that one of the things I always appreciate about Suzanne and her family when we first met, before we could even say we were in love, I, I realized one thing that her, she was, and her family were going the same direction that I was. And, and I don't ever remember a time in all the toughness, anything good, bad, or indifferent in our life, we never have gone the, the opposite direction. I never had to say, okay, I'm going to serve the Lord, and I hope Suzanne does. Or I'm going to go to church, or I'm going to read the Word, or I'm going to take a stand and wonder if Suzanne's going to. There's something about going the right direction. We, around here, we call it living in obedience. Hmm. I say it often, and I want you to get this today, that, that, that I say this about, and it's just one of my sayings, is we need to be walking in all the light every day until that day. 
See, basically what God's called me to do is I don't know when I'm going to see heaven. I don't know when I'm going to be glorified. I don't know when my last day is. But if today is my last day, I ought to be walking in all the light and obedience that I need to to the Lord. That should be our goal today. We need to head in the right direction. All right, Philippians 1.6 comes to mind, and it's a good one. It says, I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus that whatever God starts in you, he's going to finish. Uh, Zane and I had this conversation a few months ago before his accident, I, and we had this conversation on the phone. I said, Zane, he was talking about, he reading the scripture and how God spoke to his heart about it. And I said, well, just know this, God never speaks to us without an application. God's never going to move on your heart that he doesn't move you to do something with it. It's not just a warm, fuzzy feeling. He might reveal sin to your life, in your life, a bad attitude, whatever, because he wants you to get it right. He might see that you've done something to someone or there's a breach with someone and he expects you to get it right. He does not do something or share something with us without an application attached to it, okay? So he wants us to go in the right direction. He wants to complete the good work that he started in you is the point. All right, number two, and the goal, I think about another one, is help another. Here, that's a great goal. <laughs> Here's Matthew 23, 11. Jesus said the greatest among us will be the servant. Just that simple. He was talking to the disciples. Matthew 23, 11. He said the greatest among you will be your servant, the greatest. And see, a lot of times people get caught up in this, the light's on me, I can hardly see, I can barely see. I, I can see shirt color, dress color, that kind of thing, um, hair color, <laughs> but I couldn't really see people's faces because of the light of filming and all this stuff. But you know, we gotta be reminded that a lot of times we get caught up, that Brother Jay's sitting up here on the stage, look at everybody looking at him and Facebook and all this kind of stuff. And you know, I don't remind you, in God's kingdom, it's about being a servant. The greatest in God's kingdom is the one that takes the basin of water and the towel and washes someone else's feet. You know how different that is from the world? The world says you're something when somebody else washes your feet. You're something when you can go down to the parlor down the road here and take off your shoes and somebody will get in front of you and wash your feet. But God comes along and he says, in my kingdom, if you want to be the greatest, the greatest is the person that washes people's feet, not the person that has their feet washed. See, it's helping another Rick Warren, the great pastor out in California, he said, helping people get to heaven is the greatest act of mercy you can do for them. See, where it's about helping other people. That's the reason we talk about paying it forward and those types of things. The goal that Jesus rewards is, is this. In Matthew chapter 25, we have a discourse about goats and sheep and, sheep and goats. And, and he talks about this. He says it was six categories of people that, are gonna be, that we're going to be rewarded for in heaven that we helped. He said, somebody hungry, feed them. I'll tell you this, it breaks my heart. Just a couple of days ago, I missed an opportunity to pay it forward. And I walked away, and about five minutes later, I went, I missed it. And it just came to mind. It was an opportunity to be salt and light, and I missed it. It's one of those deals, I missed my reward. And God helped me to do better. But when you see somebody who's hungry, feed them. When you see somebody that's thirsty, give them something to drink. When you see somebody that's naked, put clothes on them. Hmm. When you see a stranger, take him in. When you see someone who's, who's sick, go and visit them. When you see somebody in prison, extend visitation to them as well. And Jesus said it this way. They said, when did we see you, Lord? When did you, we see you without clothes or hungry or thirsty and, or stranger? When did we see you sick? When did we see you in prison? And Jesus said this to them, when you've done it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. I still say this, the greatest feeling in the world is doing something for somebody that you didn't have to do it. I would debate that. The, the cows come home. It's the truth. And see, so here we have. We'll help another one. That should be our goal. It's another goal of life for us. 
because we, we are doing that unto Jesus. How about that? And then two more. Number three is this. Hear Jesus say, well done. Huh. Well done. Matthew 25, 21 is our reference there, and it speaks of it. Well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. Now, see, I, I like steak. Um, I, I have to watch it sometimes because the doctors told me about my cholesterol, red meat, and that kind of thing. But I've never been a well-done steak eater. You know, I, I know people that do that. that I don't think they want it to move on the plate. You with me? <laughs> like, but I'm like a medium, medium-well kind of guy. I've seen people with rare stuff and bleeding and all that. It's crazy. But I do want to make an analogy about this well-done, though. You know, if you look at it literally, isn't it high time for us to be well-done? Isn't, isn't, well, isn't it high time for us to have a charbroiled marks on us because we're well done. We're actually mature enough and God's done enough in our life that we look different. I know that's a play on words, but one day to hear Jesus say, well done. One day right now we're acting, we, we're, we're wanting to be, we're, we're examples of what Jesus Christ is in our life. One day we're going to have accolades for those actions. Right now you and I live it out Right now, we're living out this relationship that we have with Jesus Christ. One day, we're going to be rewarded and recognized for it. Very plainly says that. Right now, we affiliate ourselves with Jesus Christ. One day, God himself is going to affirm us in that affiliation. A day is, is coming when, we, when assessment of life will occur. What did we do with this life that God gave us? And ultimately, it's to hear Jesus say, well done. That's the reality check today. I want to ask you a question, and we'll move on. What would Jesus say about you? When I was putting this together, it was a very personal time for me. How would, how would Jesus say my life is? Is my life raw? <laughs> you know, is my life half cooked? Or would Jesus say my life's well done? In other words, there's enough impact that the steak was brought out and put on the, ta and put on the table. You say, now that steak's well done. Is our life in Jesus Christ well done? Let me give you one more. When I think about goal, the ultimate goal is heaven. I didn't go find it, but I remember like it was yesterday, I preached a sermon. This will scare you to death today. I'm on the fourth point. I'm, I'm almost there. But I preached a sermon years ago about heaven, and, and I had 11 points. I'm sure I started off to have three or four or five, but the more I wrote, the better it was. But I'll never forget one of those points I've never forgotten. I don't have to go dig it up to find it, but one of those points was this. And I said, I'm looking forward to heaven, and one of the reasons I'm looking forward to heaven is I can look back at the gate. I can't imagine how that's going to feel. Can you imagine moving from this life into the eternal life and, and knowing that when you get on the other side of the gate, if you look back at the gate, it's done. No more sin, no more anguish, no more stress, no more death, no more pain. It's done. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. I can't imagine that. <laughs> I also can't imagine who I would see. Mm, I just can't. I could stop and I could just reminisce about that and, and recollect who we're going to see. Don Piper, he's actually was at Lakeshore several years ago. He's the fellow that was a pastor, and he was on the way home and going across the bridge. He was hit by a semi, and it just decimated the car. It killed him. Put a sheet over him. He was gone. 90 minutes documented he was dead, and God brought him back to life. A pastor got up underneath the, the sheet with him, asked the, asked the law folks there and all the, the first responders if he could go under there and pray. God spoke to him and said, go pray with him, and he went and prayed over a dead man. And as he's praying, he began to sing songs. And uh, Don Piper says, in a state of him being in eternity, he began to hear those songs being sung, and that's how he came back to life. Amazing. So in all of that, you know, a pretty good expert to 
just to talk about heaven. I'll never forget, he said about heaven, he said the people, when he first got to heaven, got to the gate, he said the people on the other side of the gate were the ones that were most influential in his life to find Christ. He talked about grandparents that lived Christ in front of him. And I just think about heaven, what a glorious, glorious place. We've been reminiscing the men have on, and because we've been finishing Revelation. But I also want to share this, and it's up there. This is what Don Piper said about heaven. He said, heaven is a prepared place for prepared people. And church, if there's anything we need to hear about heaven, it's this. It's people not going to back in. They're not going to get in by the skin of the teeth. I don't even think they're going to be surprised. I think the vast majority of people that get to heaven are prepared, and when it comes time, they're ready because it's a prepared place for prepared people. It don't happen just by happenstance. It's not just for good people or good dogs or good neighbors or whatever. It's not even for church folks. It's for blood-bought people. Preacher, you're saying church is not important? Oh, yeah, it's important. Very important. But ultimately, it's about living out that. All right? Heaven. Oh, listen. We need to get that prepared. I, I love that. When I found that, I saw it. Heaven is a prepared place. Didn't Jesus say that in John 14? He said, I've gone to, you know the word? Prepare a place for you. And he said, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there you may be also. It's a prepared place for prepared people. All right? Here's where I want to wind down. Listen to this. I just want to ask you some questions. And boy, it's the world that we live in today. The world is reeling. Hmm. It is. And all the stuff that's going on, are you ready? Are you ready? Hmm. It's really what it comes down to. The whole, all that stuff, started the conflict, go all the way down. It's all about the goal. The goal is to make heaven my home. Isn't it amazing? The mortality rate's 100%. We're all going to die, so where are we going? <laughs> As gas prices continue to escalate and go up, let me ask something. Are you ready to go up? Huh? See, it's amazing how, so why'd you put gas, and I can throw diesel in there too. Why'd you put that? Because that's all of us. We might have had one person walk to church today because they live right across the street in the church. All of us rode here. Uh, the other day, I was in a convenience <laughs> store. A fellow walked in and said, I want $20, and he named whatever pump he wanted on. And I remember thinking, I'm going over to get the, the, the heavenly nectar of, of Diet Pepsi out of the, out of the thing. And, and I remember when I'm fixing to open the thing, this thought crossed my mind. He didn't get much. Less than five gallons. Ride fast. Enjoy yourself. But as all this stuff goes up and escalates, are you ready to go up? Hmm. See, that's really what it comes down to. That's the goal. The, the, hey, I want to finish this sermon well, and I want Lakeshore to do well, but let me tell you what the goal is. One day the goal, the goal is this, that in eternity I want to see you over there. That's the goal. What good has it been if you, brought, you came to church this morning and you're not ready to go? Who would play with that match? Who would play with that fire? Man, no. Do you know? Hmm, that you know that you know him. And see, today we watered it down so much. There's a populace of people that call themselves Christians. And research says this, that believe there's different ways to get to heaven. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I'm the way. There's only one way. The rest of it is foolishness. Hmm. And someone will say, well, Brother Jay, what if you're not right? Well, I'd still like to stand in front of the Lord and say, Lord, I tried to live right. If I missed it, I got nothing to lose. 
But listen to me, there are millions upon millions, and I would even say billions of people that are banking on a religion that's going to send them to a devil's hell because the only way to get there is in Jesus Christ. And you ever wonder why Christianity is bashed the way it is? It's because there's only one way, folks. He not only said he's the way and the life, he also said I'm the truth in there. Oh, that wasn't in my notes. We've already taken up the offering, so it won't cost you any more. Here it is about the goal. Listen to this. It's about winning. I love sports. I have a favorite sport. I'll tell you that in a minute. But you ever thought about basketball? Basketball has a basketball gold. You know that? The only times points are put on the scoreboard is when the ball goes through the goal. Football has a goal line. Football also has a goal post. The only time that points are put on the scoreboard is when the ball either goes across the goal line or it's kicked through the goal post. You with me now? And then someone said, well, my favorite is baseball. Well, baseball ain't got a goal. Doggone it, don't have a goal. I think baseball's the best of all because the only time you put a run on the scoreboard is when a foot touches home plate. I can't wait to get home. Never been there. (laughs) But I can't wait. Just the other day I was thinking about this and I've told a couple of people this. Friday, I was working on the sermon. I think it's Friday. Thursday, Friday. And um, Roger White came to mind. Just as real as if he was here in the church. And you, you might know their story. They moved to Oxford a few months before his passing, but went in for open heart surgery and everything went terribly wrong, and he left this world. And, and I still struggle with all the family extension of things that, that need Roger here, that, by Jay's opinion. But it was, God, it was his time. It was his appointment. Hebrews nine twenty seven. But he just came to mind as real as anything. And I thought, you know, one of these days, just craziness. And I miss him. He was a great, he's a great friend. But one of these days, I'm going to take my last breath. I can't wait to see Roger White again. It's going to happen. People say, how do you know it? Because he's home. And I'm headed home. 56 years old, I'm probably coming around third. <laughs> headed home. Listen to this. Squire Parsons, Southern gospel guy, probably not any kind of music many of you like. He wrote a song years ago and recorded it, and it says, I call it home. I almost thought about singing some of it, but I didn't want the last part of the sermon to be terrible. But here's what the lyrics of the chorus says. Some call it heaven. (laughs) I call it home. Some call it dreaming. (laughs) But let me dream on. Some call it paradise. Somewhere beyond the skies, some call it heaven. I call it home. Are you ready? You know me, I'm more of a pastor. I don't get up here and turn and burn or heat or bleed. I don't get tear-jerking invitations to scare people to get right with God because I tell people when you get scared, most time you'll get, when you get unscared, you usually get unright with God. But I will tell you this today. The goal is simple. The goal is to look back at the gate. The goal is to see Jesus face to face. The goal is to hear Jesus say, well done, good and faithful servant. Do you know? I know what I know. At 56 years old, saved at seven. I don't believe I'd leave this room today if I didn't know. And I hope you trust me enough by being here today for me to tell you this. There are no other ways to get there.
The Old Testament writer said your righteousness in God's eyes is as filthy rags. You can't stand in front of a holy God and go to a holy heaven unless you have a holy relationship with Jesus Christ. This is what I want to remind you, and I'm done. And part of God's story is he created Adam and Eve and put them in a garden and they sinned. And because the conflict started, listen to me, because sin in the garden, God has been pursuing mankind ever since.